You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that. So I, I promise I'm going to give myself like 60 seconds, and then we're going to move on because I've done this 500 times already. But exactly what I said would happen is happening. I, I, I sniffed it out from a mile away. Now, Aaron Rodgers is not back yet, but again, all signs point to the fact that he will be. I've said for a while that I think he's going to be, and every day that goes by, I feel more confident about that, as does seemingly everyone else. And out of the woodwork, right on cue, and if you if you bribe me enough, I'll go back and find my words, I said that there would be a contingent of people that would come out of the woodwork, Packer fans, that said that there was never an issue, this was all a media concoction, I told you. You bunch of dummies, believe the media, bah, 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 bah. don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. Remember what I said yesterday about picking fights you can't win? I promise you that's a fight you can't win. So let me just ask you this real quick. Tell me one person outside of Packer fans that says that this is a media concoction. Aaron Rodgers never said it. Matt LaFleur never said it. Mark Murphy never said it. Brian Gutekunst never said it. A.J. Hawk never said it. James Jones never said it. Nobody said it. No, Aaron Rodgers never said that this was fake. Every single person, Aaron Rodgers himself, every single one of his friends, everybody, including in the media, yes, Schefter and the whole group of people that are on the inside listening to things, every single player or, or person on the team has acknowledged that there is a problem. Every single person. Now, there's varying degrees of optimism. Some people saying he's definitely not coming back. Some people saying he's coming back. But to say that he was never, there was never an issue and he was never going to leave is delusion. You're by yourself. It's not you against some fake media. It's you against the entire world. You're in your own little bubble of Packer fans that says the media just lied. Okay, the media lied. Rogers lied. Hawk lied. Jones lied. Matt LaFleur lied, Gutekunst lied, Mark Murphy lied. They all lied. I don't know why. Because it's some big cosmic test and you pass. Congratulations. You're smarter than everybody. Everybody else was just joking joking around, right? When the team said they didn't know if he was going to come back, when they were flying out there to try to beg him to come back, when teams started calling because they heard rumors that he wanted to leave and when they started making trade offers, they were in on it too. They were in on this big cosmic test. And we all failed, but you passed because you're so smart. You're just so smart. Wow. Bye. I wish I was smart like you. Don't, I'm telling you, don't play this stupid game with me. Don't just, don't do it. Because I'm, I'm just, I'm, again, I'm seeing it with more and more frequency. And it's really starting to get under my skin. I have very low tolerance for people that keep saying things that are just wrong. I don't know why. It's a disorder that I have. It's probably part of the reason why this podcast does so well. I see information, and that's just information, and it is what it is. And I tell you, and everyone's supposed to just go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. All right, opinion, you can have your own opinion. I don't care. But factual information, that's just what it is. When I come to you and I say 2 plus 2 is 4, and you say, no, it's not, I'm never going to let that go, ever. And if, if on Twitter now everybody starts popping up again saying, ha-ha, 2 plus 2 is 5, I told you, I will never stop. 
stop saying it. Stop it. Not fake. Was never fake. He chose to come back. Now, it's possible that this whole thing was somewhat of a concoction. You know, again, and I said it was a very real possibility. I know I said 60 seconds. I don't care. I do what I want. It's a very real possibility that he was playing a game of chicken and he lost, right? He, he was trying to do what he saw a lot of other people do, or if you apply pressure, like, uh, 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 what is his name? Why do I keep wanting to say Russell Sherman? Who the heck is Russell Sherman? Russell Wilson. My goodness. He's done it twice now. I'm leaving. I'm going to New York. Bye, guys. No, 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 no. Here's a, here's a bag of money. Oh, thanks. All right, now I'm really mad. No, I'm really, I'm really leaving. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll, I'll give you more stuff. I'll give you more stuff. You want a wide receiver? What do you want? What do you want? You want more decisions? And you, you make all the decisions? Okay, you got it. Aaron Rodgers is like, I'm going to leave. And they're like, no, no you're not. <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll go to Denver. No, we, we, uh, you signed a contract, though, so you're going to play for us. Well, I'll retire. Oh, all right. Maybe that's right. Point is, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It's kind of iffy because we know that there's been issues. Maybe that's what he was playing on, the whole thing, that there was a back history, and he thought maybe that would give it more credit. I don't know. doesn't matter. Point is, he tried to tell everybody, I'm not coming back, whether that's real, maybe he really doesn't want to be. And by the way, still not 100% he's coming back. I just want you to know, when he comes back, everybody that I see on Twitter saying there was never anything here, all I can say is you've been warned. That's it. That's all I can say. That's really all I can say. I'm going to do the best I can to keep my mouth shut. More than likely, though, I'm just going to go on an absolute tirade. And again, I, I, at this stage of where I'm at in my life, I, I used to just pick fights constantly. Facebook, everything else, I would just swing wildly. And I lost a lot of fights. I very rarely lose fights anymore because I don't pick fights I can't win. And there are so many people willing to pick fights that I can't lose, I physically cannot lose, like Bears fans trying to argue about who's the better franchise or something, I can't lose that fight. That's easy money, I'll take that all day. I very rarely get caught up in fights that I can't win. Occasionally I get tripped up. I miss something, I didn't think about something, or I'm just, I'm not on my guard and I just go charging into something and I get blown up. But that's very rare. I cannot lose this fight. This is so painfully obvious from every single possible angle. Do not, do not, do not participate in that. All right. I'm also trying to get, well, I should, yeah, whatever. My time is up. Time is up. Sorry. Ding goes the bell. By the way, thank you to everybody that has reached out. It's only been two people so far, but thank you to those who have reached out to try to get me uh, recruited to your soccer team club thing, whatever. I, still don't, I don't even know what it's called. I think both are acceptable. Maybe they're different. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Who cares? I'll figure it out. But I am, uh, I am accepting whatever you call it. I don't know. What do you call it? I don't know. Recommendations, I guess. That'll work. You all thought I was going to say bribe. Shame on you. Shame on you. By the way, uh, you can support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy for as little as a dollar a month. Imagine that. Seven days a week filled with content. Literally thousands of episodes for you to go through. You get early access. And every once in a while, I I think about another perk, and I throw it at the patrons. Pretty rare, but sometimes I remember, and I do. For example, when I do a fantasy football league, if you're not a patron, there's no way you're getting in. In fact, most of the patrons won't even be able to get in because there's just too many at this point. So it'll probably be a lot of the higher tier patrons. But still, the bar starts at Patreon. Buck a month, man. I don't think anybody can't afford a buck a month. That's not to say everybody could do it responsibly. If you're struggling to pay your bills, you probably shouldn't do it, but you technically could. I don't know. Just, just thinking out loud. Also, while we're on the subject, uh, Palmer Home for Children. Go on Twitter, my pinned post there, or the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. 
can donate to children in need for the Palmer Home for Children would be greatly appreciated. Anyways, just thought that would be a great time uh, when I was shaming you for daring to think that I would beg for things. I would immediately start begging. You get the joke. Anyways, since we're on the uh, on kind of a ranty thing here, I, I saw something that Mr. Dara put on Twitter that I really appreciated. And he sort of put things in terms that um, I don't know that I've really been able to do. But there's another thing that that sort of bothers me, and it's this notion that had we just done this one thing, everything would be better. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know what that thinking is. And, and you can see it in all forms and fashions. The bottom line is no, no matter what it is we're talking about, that's almost never true, like ever true. For example, we see teams do that just that one thing every time. But we never seem to look at that and say, you know what, hmm, I guess doing that one big thing doesn't actually fix things. Because we only ever look retroactively in the past and say, had we done that one thing, it would have fixed things, because we have no way of of proving that to be true or false. So we just pretend we know it's true. For example, and I I don't know, but let's just say we go to the NFC Championship game, and we lose again, and the defensive line is really a big part of the problem. Um... And let's just say J.J. Watt's season doesn't end in injury. There's a very high probability that you're going to find some people saying, had we signed J.J. Watt, we would have won a Super Bowl. I've talked frequently about how Mr. Negative brings up the draft and says maybe if we hadn't drafted a quarterback in the first round last year, we could have won the Super Bowl if we had instead drafted a wide receiver, for example. Things like that. It's such silly thinking for so many reasons, but it's so hard to put into words why it's silly thinking because... The amount of variables are innumerable. It's, it's the same thing where this, this technically still applies when you see people say, if, if that penalty in the third quarter had gone the other way, we would have gotten six points. Six points would have put us ahead, right? We lost by four. If that wasn't a penalty, we would have gotten, you know, let's say seven points. We would have gotten a touchdown. We would have won. We would have won by three. That's not true. The second, it, it's, it's the butterfly effect. The second you change that, everything changes. Every single thing changes. How do you know after that penalty goes in your favor and you get that touchdown, you don't kick off the ball and we return it for a touchdown? How do you know? Why do you think everything stays the exact same? Instead of us getting the ball back there, you would have kicked the ball off. The field position would have changed. The plays that are called would have changed. Everything would have changed. The way you play defense changes because you're now in the lead. The way we play offense changes because we're now losing the game. There's, There's... literally, and I mean literally, billions and billions of variables that take place on a second-by-second basis. You change something so drastically as the way a penalty goes that changes, let's say, a fourth down uh, change of possession because, you know, penalty, incomplete, whatever, or it was a touchdown, but we took it away because you were pushing off. I don't know, whatever. I'm making stuff up. Or touchdown, completion, you get seven points. Everything changes. Now, you can say the odds shift in our favor, but to simply say we would have won because that changed is insanity. And it really drives me nuts when people say that. Now, you you have every right to be upset because, again, you, you now would have had the lead. The odds of winning would be in your favor instead of our favor. And that got stolen from you because of a bad call. Now, we'd still have to disregard the fact that every team gets bad calls all the time. 
And we we like to pretend that that team gets all the calls. Everybody loves to pretend the Packers get all the calls, even though I've, I've given you the documentation. I've looked up the stats because that's how I do things. I actually look at stats and information as opposed to just spouting off nonsense that everybody just repeats. And one of the things that everybody repeats is that the Packers get all the calls. They get all the calls. They get all the calls. That hasn't been true since like 2014. They've been one of the most penalized or, or whatever you want to call it. The, the, the plays do not go in their favor. The calls do not go in their favor more so than other teams, and that's documented. And if you want to argue with me about that, again, I can, I'm not going to do it right now because I've already done it. I could easily pull it up. So if that's one of your lines of argumentation against the Packers, for any non-Packers fans listening, stop using that line because if I see it, I'm going to embarrass you and you don't want that. You shouldn't want that. Here, little, let me just go on a tangent over on a little side, side parlay or whatever you want to call it, pirate speak. You wouldn't, don't worry about it. Don't argue things that you don't know what you're talking about. Very simple way to not look stupid. It's amazing to me that I have to say that out loud because you see this all the time. Somebody says something stupid, then somebody, me or somebody else that actually cares about information, shows them information and they just continue on that path. Like I said yesterday, I I showed somebody, Bears fans saying Khalil gets double teamed more than everybody else. I showed them the statistics and they just disagree with statistics. (laughs) Nobody has the capacity to say, oh, I guess I was wrong. Shoot, I don't know. Anyways, Dara, um, better known as Dyer on Twitter, the Irishman, uh, quote tweeted Paul on Twitter. Paul said, we could have had TJ Watt and Gary. Now, l- let me back up a little bit because this is this is the kind of negativity that drives me nuts. And I got to be, man... I think negative Packer fans maybe bother me more than obnoxious Vikings and Bears fans. Maybe not after a game in which we just lost, because obviously it, it stings too much, but negative Packer fans are, are the most infuriating thing in the world. And I can be a negative Packer fan on game day when things aren't going well. I get very negative, and I, I made a rule for myself, stay off Twitter, because you're going to say stuff you're going to regret, and you're going to look like an idiot. I get a little emotional on game day. But to give you the full context of what Paul was talking about, Dara said, edge rusher pressure rate in their second season. Joey Bosa, 14.2%. Khalil Mack, 14.1%. Rashawn Gary, 13.2%. J.J. Watt, 12.1%. T.J. Watt, 11.4%. Chandler Jones, 10.1%. Cam Jordan, 7.5%. So just showing you how good were really good pass rushers in their second seasons. Rashawn Gary's up there with some really, really quality. So the point is, he's trying to show us some good news, right? He did some homework. And, and, and again... He's actually putting in work to learn and to get some understanding of information and statistics to build a better understanding and get a more true and real perspective. He's taking a lot of time out of his day to build a better understanding of the team and of the league. He's doing it the right way. And here comes Paul. We could have had TJ Watt and Gary. Paul, come on, man. I mean, I wonder if guys like Paul on their wedding day were like, talking to their buddies about the one that got away, you know, you know, like they, they, they do the vows and they go through the whole thing and he's sitting next to his brand new, beautiful bride in the white dress and he grabs the microphone and he's like, you know, this lady over here, you think she's great? Oh boy. <laughs> Let me tell you about uh, old Sarah over there. Yeah, she's beautiful. She makes a lot of money, deeply loyal, cares for me passionately, intelligent, witty, funny, all that. All good things with my new bride here. But this girl, Sarah, oh boy, she was even smarter. My wife has a degree. She's learned. Sarah had a master's degree, dude. 
My wife's like an 8.5. She was like a 9.7. I'm not even kidding you. You would not believe... Let me, let me pull up a picture on my phone real quick. I'm just saying. Why? Why can't you just be happy about good things? Don't do, don't do that. Anyway, circling back to the butterfly effect, Dara points to something that really illustrates this. And of course, we can't know this either, but it's it's important that we just understand that you can't just change one thing and it changes everything. And this is, there's a larger lesson here because we think we can do this in politics and in real life too, right? Well, that's a problem. Well, let's just wipe that problem out and then everything's gone. No, there's ripple effects. You mess with that, you mess with everything else, you're making everything worse. Stop doing that. You can't just tweak one thing and then everything's fixed. He says, it's December 2018. The Packers, led by young superstar TJ Watt, win the NFC North at 10-6 and before losing in the divisional round. Head coach Mike McCarthy signs a four-year extension to stay in Green Bay. Again, he's not even trying to say that he knows that's the reality, but he's just painting an alternate universe. And he's doing the exact same thing Paul is doing. Paul is saying, man, if we had TJ Watt, everything would be better. He's looking at it as a negative. Maybe that would have ruined everything. We might not have... Gutekunst. We might not have Lafleur. Even if Ted steps down, maybe it wasn't for another year. I don't know. Maybe maybe Dom doesn't get fired. Remember what the, the in his last. Oh, maybe that was a year too late. But the 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 point, or at least the lesson here, is that it was actually a blessing in disguise that we had that one really bad year because it woke Mark Murphy up. He realized that there's something very cancerous here, and we got to clean this thing out. And they cleaned house from top to bottom, and it gave us the team we have today. And all Paul wants to do is complain that we could have had T.J. Watt, just like a lot of other people complain we could have had, I don't know, we could have had T. Higgins instead of Jordan Love. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I know, man. I really, I really do. I really, really, really know. And I really, really don't care. I just, I just, it's, it's exhausting. And again, butterfly effect. So, so then what? Tell me what happens. Tell me what happens. Go repaint this. Tell me the whole thing from start to finish. How does he do? What happens to Lazard? Is he on the team still? Is he off the team? Are we better or are we worse? Maybe we push this guy on the field because he was a first-round pick and a better player like Alan Lazard doesn't play very much, who is a pivotal role player for this team. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? I don't. You don't. Why do we have to pretend? For, for what purpose do we have to pretend that we know? And on top of that, it's always something silly where the Packers get held to a standard nobody else does. Well, the Packers could have had Justin Jefferson. Well, not really. But you know who else could have had Justin Jefferson? If, if the Packers could have, you can blame all 32 teams for that. Well, I'm sure some of them didn't even have first-round picks, but anybody could have, and they didn't. But only the Packers are stupid. That's the thing with negative Packer fans. Only the Packers are stupid, not all the other teams. It's amazing to me that people who call themselves Packer fans have no criticism for any of the other franchises, but have nothing good to say about the Packers, ever. Ever. It's incredible. And no, the Packers aren't perfect. We have to see. That's, that's the thing. Like, Nate, I think he had asked me, what, 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 name one thing that the Packers have done or that Gutekunst has done wrong. I don't know yet. I'm not a huge Billy Turner fan, but I think we're better with him than without him. Preston, I think, is a little bit of an iffy call. But I guess I don't know, and I don't think we would be near where we are, especially two years ago. Rashawn was nowhere near ready. If it was just Zadarius and Rashawn, and, you know, there's a depth issue there. I'm sure a lot of these draft picks are going to be terrible, but I don't really know yet. We'll find out.
Why do I have to be quick to hate the guy? I don't understand. And even so, I'm not comparing it to a 100% hit rate. I'm comparing it to what everyone else has done. And even in that first draft class, which doesn't seem to be a super high hit rate, he got Jair Alexander, who this past year was the number one corner in football. I'm just, I'm sorry that I struggled to be mad at him about the draft class with no preparation his first year being a GM ever. He gets the best corner in football. I'm just, I'm sorry I'm struggling. Maybe I am a homer. I don't know. I've also said I appreciate the Bears and the way that they draft. I just, fortunately for us, they never do it. They just give away all their picks because I think they do a great job. So we're getting lucky. I've also said I think the Lions are doing a fantastic job. I love the way that they're building their franchise. The Vikings, not not as much. I think they're doing a good job building up the offensive line. But I also think they're too committed to the old guys and not doing a good enough job of finding young guys. And their entire strategy is hanging on to the old guys as long as is humanly possible because when that falls apart, there's nothing left. The vast majority of the, of the mega talent on this team are old guys. And that would make me nervous. There's just, there's no reason for this. We could have had TJ Watt and Gary. <laughs> and I guarantee you, Paul has been anti-Gary this whole time. And rather than acknowledging, you know what, I was wrong about Gary. He's actually doing better than, than people give him credit for. We should give him a shot here. Maybe he can be a premier player. No, he says, you know what, we should have had TJ Watt too. Why are we the only ones that should have got him? Why do we have to get him? He fell to the back of the first round. He's one of the best pass rushers in football. Didn't every team fail? Yeah, the Packers missed. You're right. We missed. And I liked him. I was big on the TJ Watt bandwagon. I was, and I did not like Kevin King. I, I could be right there with you banging my fist saying, I told you so. I told you, TJ Watt, I told you he was going to be good. But I'm not because it's silly. We, we, we act like it was such an obvious thing. It wasn't obvious. He almost fell to the second round. It clearly wasn't obvious to everybody. A lot of what football is, is like the stock market. It's not quite that bad, but it's a lot like the stock market. You, you, you got to know a little bit to be able to have more wins than losses, but there's there's still just, you don't know what you're doing, right? Or, or being a meteorologist. I mean, I know some stuff, and I know that technically based on these things, this should happen, but I'm still just going to be wrong all the time. That's just the reality. And everybody, every franchise, every team is the exact same way, and every fan is that way. I, I just, I don't know. I don't get it. I get being upset about stuff sometimes. And I think if the Packers were or a perennial, perennial terrible team, it would make more sense to be frustrated with, with the moves and with the maneuvers. But this is a fantastic football team. It is a fantastic roster with a GM that has done a fantastic job in both the draft and free agency and a head coach who is one of the winningest head coaches in football. We've got the best quarterback, wide receiver, cornerback, left tackle. We've got talent across the board. One of the better, we might have one of the best, if not the best running back duos in football. Fantastic offensive line, like I said yesterday, second best according to ESPN is their projection. We've got another wide receiver coming in to add another layer on top of Funches getting his first year in. We've got a bunch of young tight ends who are getting more opportunities. We got Tunyon coming back. We got Jace possibly taking a step. We got uh, Deguara for the first time. That whole entire role has been waiting to be filled, and now Deguara finally comes in. We got a, a dynamic and dominant safety duo. We've brought in a first round cornerback to possibly, possibly bring in not just and elite corner, but have two dominant corners on top of having one of the best safety duos in football. Plus, we have Zedarius and an ascending Rashawn and a more than likely uh, returning to form Preston. And we have Kenny Clark, who hopefully will, will return to form as well. What in the world are you so mad about? Oh, then why didn't we win? Because it's football, dum-dum. Because it's football. 
Because it's not just 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's not how this works. You don't just get to build, if I have the best team, right? It's not like Madden, where if I just build the best team and I get the most 90s, like on PFF, then I just, I win, right? We don't even need to play. We just rank the players and and the team with the best players, you just hand them a trophy. We don't even need to play. No more CTE, no more injuries, no more torn ACLs, nothing. You get the best roster, you win. You are the... The, the bell of the ball over there, folks. Congratulations to you on winning. That's not how it works. Again, remember billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of variables going on in every single football game. They all contribute to winning and losing. It's not just who has the best players. That helps big time, big time. But, it, but fortunately, that's what makes sports exciting. You don't know going into it. If it was as simple as the best roster is going to win, there'd be no point in watching. We watch because you don't know. You get nervous when we play the Lions because you know there's a chance the Lions could win. Why would the Lions be able to beat the Packers? Nobody thinks. Not even negative Packer fans would dare say that the Lions have a better roster than the Packers. Why are we scared? Why are we nervous? What sense does that make? We, we, we watch every single week, every single week, week we, we watch as about 50% of these games end in upset, and we still can't get it through our thick skulls that football is not a game of the best roster wins all the time. And again, I know I've done this a hundred times, and I know you're, people get mad when I do this, and I don't know why. I, I guess because you're negative and you don't like when I come at you or whatever. I don't know. And then the positive people don't like that I'm being negative. So nobody likes it. The negative people don't like that I'm attacking them. And the positive people don't like that I'm being negative. So this is a no-win proposition. But here's the thing. Let's just, let's, let's call it what it is. We're what, eight days away? Football starts in eight days away. In eight days, our only job is to root for the guys in the green and gold. They're not even playing anybody. They're just going out trying to get better. And all we got to do is get excited for them. Get excited for the news. Get excited that they're learning and that they're growing and that they're getting better. Get excited for every catch and every non-catch because it was a defensive play. Get just excited, 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 excited for stupid reasons. That's our only job. We're eight days away, and Paul wants to t- bring up T.J. Watt. We're eight days away from the start of the football season. Another opportunity for the Packers to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Another opportunity for greatness, and Paul wants to bring up T.J. Watt. All right, we got to take a break. Before uh, I do that, I just came across this uh, via... GBP Daily on Twitter, and I just uh, feel like repeating it because it's true, and it's uh, it would have fit better yesterday, but I just really want to say the words out loud. He says, NFC North team goals going into the season. Bears beat the Packers with fields. Lions beat the Packers. Vikings beat the Packers. Packers win the Super Bowl. Winners focus on winning. Losers focus on winners. Not one sentence in there is false with the exception of a couple random Bears fans who actually think they got a shot at a Super Bowl and Vikings fans maybe shooting for winning the North and getting into the playoffs and making a deep run, whatever. A couple of them think they're going to win a Super Bowl. For the most part, and, and if you don't believe me, go look on Twitter and tell me how many of them are focusing on the Packers as opposed to, to their aspirations as a Super Bowl champion. It's not even close. They spend all their time gloating about it's our time now. We're going to beat the Packers. We're going to be better than the Packers. Is what it is, homie. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. So this is a little bit overdue, but again, we're kind of behind on some things. Um, I mentioned a few days ago this little report that came out that there was a new SAC leader. I don't think I mentioned this. Maybe I did, but we'll try to keep it brief just in case. But anyways, the, the NFL started tracking sacks as an official stat in 1982. However, Pro Football Reference, which is a fantastic website, um, has now gone all the way back to 1960 to get the, I guess, officially unofficial sack numbers. We've talked about it before, but there is a new leader as far as sacks. Uh, The one thing that I didn't mention, however, is that the Green Bay Packers also have a new sack leader. Just looking around via just any random website, this is Yard Barker. Um, Leaders in sacks for every team. And for the Green Bay Packers at number 12, they have Clay Matthews III. Just goes on to say, uh, speaking to the youngest Clay Matthews, like his father, he has a franchise sack record. Yes, Matthews has the record for the Packers. It's not a gaudy record for a storied franchise as Green Bay's sack record of 82.5. Pro Football Reference actually has Clay Matthews at 83.5. However, that is no longer number one. If you look at uh, the stats prior to the 80s, 1982 to be specific, there is a man who has accounted for 93.5 sacks. And both of them played for the Green Bay Packers for 10 years. But the new leader for sacks for the Green Bay Packers is Mr. Willie Davis. William Delford Davis, a.k.a. Dr. Feelgood. But uh, Clay Matthews had four seasons of 10 or more sacks. In 2009, he had 10. 2014, he had 11. 2012, he had 13. And in 2010, he had 13.5. For Dr. Feelgood, there were five seasons. In 1967, he had 11. 1966, he had 11. 1965. So five, six, and seven. Three straight years, he had 11 sacks. 1962, he had 13. In 1964, he had 14.5. 
Um, looking at this stretch here from 1962 to 1967, and even 1968, he had two years of less than 10. You can go from 1960. So 1961, he had 9.5, and then 13, 8.5, 14.5, 11, 11, 11, and 9. From 1961 to 1968, this guy was an absolute force. Two of the years in which he didn't hit 10, it was 9 and 9.5. His only real dip was 1963. He still had 8.5 sacks. Clay, and, and remember how good Clay was. Clay did not hit that. He was not quite to that stature. So he, he had, starting in 2009, 10, 13, 6, 13, 7.5, 11, 6.5, 5, 7.5, 3, and 8. So he fell off a pretty steep cliff there. With that new total, that actually ranks 37th for uh, total career sacks for a team. If you wanted to see who had the most sacks in a single season for the Green Bay Packers, in fourth place, you had Aaron Campman at 15.5. In third place, Reggie White had 16 sacks. That was in 1998. Campman was 2006. In second place, Ezra Johnson in 1978 was 17.5. And then in first place, Tim Harris, 1989, had 19.5 sacks. So just figured I'd hit a couple different points since we're kind of dabbling in these statistics. If you're wondering about Reggie White, yes, as in his, as far as his total careers are concerned, he dominates in terms of total sacks, but the majority of his playing time was in Philadelphia. I mean, it was pretty close to half, but um, he only played six seasons in Green Bay, so um, his totals were not quite as high, although clearly a more dominant year-to-year player. He ended his career with 198 sacks. So yes, he is an absolute freak, but uh, wouldn't be quite fair to say that that's a a Green Bay Packers sack record because it's not. That's a Reggie White sack record. Anyways, there's one other thing I wanted to bring up, and um, I don't exactly know what angle to to talk about this, but I did find it interesting. There was an article in The Athletic, and um, it's just sort of a mailbag thing, I guess. But here's the question. It says, I'd love to see a high-level overview of differences and similarities between some of the common offenses that are run by multiple teams, then maybe you could show comparative differences by team coordinator and or do your deep dive into some of the standard plays we see a lot. So obviously that's a really complex question. But he goes on to say the common, uh, the most common offense right now is the outside zone system that is essentially derived from Mike Shanahan and Alex Gibbs' offense. Kyle Shanahan, Mike's son, obviously runs it with the San Francisco 49ers. Sean McVay runs it with the LA Rams. And Matt LaFleur runs it with the Green Bay Packers. None of this is surprising. We all know this information. What's interesting, though, is his explanation of all this. And I've I've kind of talked about how clearly Matt LaFleur has not fully unraveled this offense. And a lot of why I've said that is because guys just aren't up to speed yet. We don't have certain pieces yet, right? With Amari Rodgers, we now have that piece that can do those things. We With DeGuara, we have that piece that can do those things. But there's another element. So I want to just read the rest of this answer here to see if you kind of pick up on, on this other massive reason (laughs) that Matt LaFleur has not exactly fully unraveled his offense and maybe it just gets a couple gears turning in your head. I don't know how deep I want to go into it, but maybe you just know where I'm going with it. He says Shanahan runs his offense out of two back sets and does some interesting things in the running and passing games with fullback Kyle Juszczyk. His offense is based on creating matchup problems with versatile players who can run after the catch. McVay runs his offense out of one-back sets with compressed formations with slot receiver types like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, both excellent route runners and strong blockers. Now, before I get into Matt LaFleur 
It's also like I've talked about how you have similar concepts, but you build around the guys that you have, and you can see that that's what they're doing, and that's what Matt LaFleur has to do, and it's kind of exciting because every team is a little bit different. So you get to see this great offensive scheme, but the Packers have their own flair to it. Anyways, finally, he says LaFleur offense resembles Kyle Shanahan's, but his system has a mix of passing concepts that Aaron Rodgers likes, and Rodgers is given the most freedom to change plays at the line of scrimmage, which really isn't a feature of this type of offensive system. However, with a quarterback as smart as Rodgers, you have to trust him to get you into the right play. Now, if we rewind a lot, I've brought this up before. There's, I think, Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur and and Mark Murphy and all these guys, as much as they understand how very good Aaron Rodgers is, there is a direction that they chose to go. And they're not really going in that direction whole hog. Now, things are working, and that's fine. They've, they found a system that seems to be working. But the fact of the matter is they're still being held back by Aaron Rodgers. So, again, everything kind of points in one direction of exactly how this all came to be. When I mentioned before that um, Jordan Love really seems like the perfect kind of quarterback for the Matt LaFleur offense and how he's very he's actually very different than Aaron Rodgers, although they have a lot of things as far as similarities as well, like, you know, after the play breaks down, scrambling, throwing off your back foot, all that kind of stuff. But on a play-to-play basis, if you watch the two of them, Aaron Rodgers wants to extend the play. He wants to throw deep. He wants to create on his own. Jordan Love likes to play in a rhythm. He likes the short passes. He likes to take what's in front of him. If he sees it, he throws it, take the six-yard chunks and move the offense down the field Uh, methodically. That's the word. I don't know why methodologically was coming to mind. So, you know, maybe we don't have to take this as far any further than, hey, they've they found this nice little blend of Matt LaFleur slash nothing that Matt LaFleur wants to do, and it seems to be working. But I, I just still feel like there's something gnawing here. And I don't think it goes away. And that's 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 just there's just there's so much that is a hindrance. And I, I kind of wish it wasn't because obviously the offense worked and Aaron Rodgers is great and all that stuff, but The fact of the matter is the the Packers did move on in a sense. They didn't fully pull the plug, although they pulled the plug on just about everybody else. But with Aaron Rodgers kind of hobbled and and not literally metaphorically, but clearly not playing at his best over the last several years, I think they just felt that, you know, kind of like they gave McCarthy one more year, they would give Aaron Rodgers a year to prove that he could actually run the system properly. And when a quarterback fell into the lap, again, it's not like they premeditated it. It was just this is here and this guy can run the offense. It's going to be great. We'll see how it goes. And then Aaron Rodgers wins the MVP and that throws everything into a spiral. The problem is, as much as we want to say, hey, look, okay, you made a mistake. You took a quarterback. You shouldn't have. You underrated, uh, underestimated Rodgers. You shouldn't have. But now you know he's great and he can still play and we can move on and just forget this ever happened. Aaron Rodgers didn't forget. And he's obviously not forgetting, and he's not letting it go, first of all. But second of all, the team has built around Matt LaFleur. The team is not built around Aaron Rodgers anymore. I've said that before. This is no longer Aaron Rodgers' team. It's Matt LaFleur's team. And that's the direction that they want to go. And so, again, you get Mr. Um, Wen, however you say his name, from The Athletic, who's really good at breaking these things down, looking at this offense going, technically they're running the outside zone, but it's not the outside zone. It's some weird Aaron Rodgersy Mike McCarthy offense with you know little flashes of Matt LaFleur mixed in. And that just it just doesn't 
Again, I know everybody wants to just be like, just shut up and just let it be, but it, 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 it can't be. It doesn't really make sense. We didn't just draft Jordan Love. We, we drafted Josiah DeGuara. We drafted A.J. Dillon. These, these are all components of a Matt LaFleur offense, not an Aaron Rodgers offense. If this was about Aaron Rodgers, we'd be spending more time focusing on, you know, finding a better version of MVS, finding another, well, I don't know a good example, but um, kind of like Jimmy Graham, but maybe a better version of Jimmy Graham. And technically, Amari Rodgers, you could say he's kind of like a, a Randall Cobb, but not really. It, it, there's some parallels there, but it's it's meant to be a Matt LaFleur guy. The jet sweeps and all that kind of stuff, that's Matt LaFleur stuff. Josiah DeGuara is not Jimmy Graham. He's Josiah DeGuara. He's your H-back. What the heck is an H-back? It has nothing to do with, with Aaron Rodgers. Well, that's true. So we're running this Aaron Rodgers hybrid, but we're clearly pushing in one direction. And that one direction that Brian Gutekunst, at least, is pushing in, and Matt LaFleur is kind of slowly inching in is away from what Aaron Rodgers wants to do and further and further and further toward what Matt LaFleur wants to do. And again, I and I've I've kind of talked about this before. I think last year was very much, hey, let's find this happy media or I should say two years ago was very much about let's kind of do what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. Last year was much more about let's try to find more of a Matt LaFleur style. You could clearly see that. I mean two years ago it just felt like we were watching Mike McCarthy all over again and it wasn't really working very well. Last year, we pushed more in toward um, Matt LaFleur, and, and Aaron Rodgers embraced that a little bit more, and it seemed to work a little bit more. And I think they want to continue to push. And again, we're not there. So again, it's, it's, it's a cruddy thing, and I, uh, we all wish we weren't in this situation, but I just I think that's what it is. It's not just about, hey, I'm feeling disrespected. He can see the team is walking away from him, and he, he just wins MVP, and he kind of just expected everything, just like, oh, forget that. We're not going in that direction anymore. We're going back with this guy. What were we thinking? We're so stupid, right? And they're like, no, let's just keep going in that direction. I mean, if he wants to keep tagging along and win an MVP and helping us win football games, cool. But this is the direction we chose. We are building around Matt LaFleur, not Aaron Rodgers. And that makes him furious and a lot of fans furious. And so be it. I'm going to leave my comments aside on that. It's just, it just is what it is. But anyways, just a little bit of an observation. I'm going to try to sneak in one more episode of Peaky Blinders before bed probably irresponsible. I should just go to sleep, but I don't feel like it. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.